Well, good morning to you all. The crowd is a little thinner this morning from last week as I boiled in a hot tub, well, in a baptismal tank that was really warm. And uh, that was an experience that uh, is sort of the things, I guess, if I ever wrote a memoir, I would uh, have to put that in there. Uh, I was dripping wet by the end, and it was an experience. But uh, today is uh, our Thanksgiving Sunday. Am I still puffing through this thing? Not to worry about it. It keeps you awake, right? I, I got a new mic. We got new speakers up there. If you haven't noticed them, they sound a little different. They're still trying to learn to EQ them and all that kind of stuff. But I am thankful today on Thanksgiving because we got speakers. And you may or may not have noticed it, but the other speakers were actually dying. And what was happening was uh, speakers have high sounds, mid sounds, and low sounds. Some of those sounds had disappeared out of our other speakers. And so the poor guys were doing their best to make it sound okay. But hopefully you notice that those ones sound better. So I'm praising God that we were able to fix our speakers in these times. And I know it's because of your sacrificial giving. So thank you very much for giving to the Lord. And uh, because of that, you can hear me or else I'd have to be really loud, and I don't think you'd want that, and I wouldn't want that either. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says it so clearly. And that's the passage, if you've ever heard me say it, I say Philippians for it. And what I mean is, it says, Be anxious about nothing, but by prayer and supplication. I'm going to move this. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Offer your request to God. This is such a beautiful passage because it's really about a posture we have to take. I just taught through Zoom last week our first lesson in hearing God. We have six lessons that we do as a church. And I was very clear with my Zoom group that if you're struggling in hearing God, you cannot necessarily get a sense that he's there, you're reading scripture, nothing's coming, spend some time in thanksgiving. It is unbelievable and powerful. When you take that posture in 2020 with everything that is, and it could be your health that's going down, you could have lost a job, you could be having financial difficulty, and when we are emotionally stressed, we have a hard time hearing God, let me encourage you, especially this Thanksgiving, and if you didn't know, historically, Thanksgiving was actually started in tough times. They barely had any food, but they were thankful. And there's something about that attitude of gratitude and that heart of thanksgiving. It really does help us to hear God. But hearing God isn't just randomly kind of out there or I just want to hear God, so I'm trying to look to the trees and skies. We know from Romans that God has revealed himself in creation, so you can see God in creation. But when you want an intimate, knowing God's will kind of hearing God, I want to talk to you this morning, this Living Like Jesus series. I want you to know that the scriptures, the Bible, are the primary way you will hear God. And if we don't have a high view of the Bible or a high view of Scripture, and I mean it's so high that you actually can't wait to read it every day, if you don't have the understanding and the depth and the uh, passion for the Scriptures like that, 
then you as a Christian could end up in all sorts of difficulty and trouble. I was reading a book this week. It was recommended by a friend, and I want to just recommend this book. I, I would say if you're 16 years old and older, you could read it. It, it, is, it isn't written from a big word, big sentence, lofty, but it's got good theology and teaching in it. And the name of the book is Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. Uh, Elisa Childers used to be in the band, who's over 40? Do you remember the band Zoe Girl? Now, usually it had to be a girl because junior high girls really like Zoe Girl. It was a Christian band from the 90s. Now, Elisa was in that band, and uh, she tells her story in the book, how she grew up in a great Christian home. I, she even says, I was Pentecostal, raised Pentecostal, used to look down my nose at other groups that weren't us. And uh, she said, but her family wasn't just all touchy-feely. They actually would go and feed the poor. They would actually reach out to their neighbors and give them the coat off their back. She said, the Christianity I grew up was real. It was incredible. But she said, I did have one weakness, and that was I had never really explored the doctrines and the theologies in the scriptures. I'd never really understood the depth and the historicity of Christianity, she said, that left me open. And she writes in the book about these pebbles that got in her foot or in her shoe. And these pebbles eventually led her down a path that was a path that a lot of us maybe have gotten down to. And what happened was her and her new husband and a newborn baby, they got invited to a church to help lead worship. And when they went to this new church, the pastor, after a few Sundays, invited her and her husband to this Bible study. They went to the Bible study, and the pastor, within two lessons, made a statement about himself. He says, I'm a hopeful agnostic. And she said, that kind of sent some red flags to me, but I so enjoyed everything he was teaching. And she said she now understands that um, what he was teaching was part of the progressive Christian movement, and that might be a new term to you. But the progressive Christian movement will sit and argue a lot about all the shortcomings of the church, especially the evangelical church, but all churches, how we have uh, completely lost our way and, and that for the first couple of hundred years, the scriptures weren't solidified and the church all was really open to believe all sorts of different things and that was okay. What mattered was you kind of tried to serve God and love God and, and then Christianity got really tight and legalistic and judgmental and they put together this book in the New Testament of the Bible and it really shut us down and we are progressive Christians and we're going to question everything. We're going to question every doctrine. So for four months she sat with this pastor and the words he used, he deconstructed Elisa's Christianity. It got so bad that after four months, she basically was bankrupt emotionally, spiritually, and otherwise, and she left that group thinking, this isn't good for me. And she describes how for the next 10 years, she began to reconstruct historical, doctrinal, theological Christianity in her life, and it all started with listening to an apologist on the radio that she accidentally tuned into. And the apologists began to give good, solid, biblical, historical accounts of Christianity. And it began her on a journey to reconstruct her faith. Now, why do I bring that all up? 
she was very clear that her theology, that her understanding of the Bible wasn't what it needed to be. And if you are not having a high view of the Bible, if you don't understand that the primary way God speaks to his people is through his word, then you could be on that deconstructing, progressive Christianity journey. And I, as your pastor, will be mortified if I hear of one of you going there. And maybe some of you are there. And I want to say to you, just listen carefully today. I want you to understand that Jesus himself had a high view of Scripture. And if we're going to live like Jesus, we need to understand exactly how he put and used Scripture. And, and do understand, Jesus was God himself. And God wrote the Bible. So he didn't need to quote Scripture, but he understood the depth, the wisdom, and the power of the words of God. He understand that the word of God can cut through everything in our lives, even to the marrow of our bone. And it can reveal the, the thoughts that are wrong and evil and wicked. And that Romans 12 kind of concept where we're not to conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Jesus got that. And he wanted to give you and me an example of what the scriptures are, what the scriptures are going to be, and what they need to be in your life and my life. So looking at Jesus' life, I think the first thing that we need to understand and comprehend is when you study his character, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see that Jesus always loved and quoted the Bible. And I hope by the end of today you agree with me. We pick up a great insight in the Bible in Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4 verse 16, and this wasn't the first time he's recorded as doing this because when he was 12 years old he also went into the temple. But in Luke chapter 4 verse 16 we read Jesus going into the temple. Let's jump into it. He, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. Another living by Jesus sermon right there. On the Sabbath day, he went to church. As was his custom. Customs aren't always bad, just saying. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And he goes on to read. And he basically said, this is writing about me, Jesus. You see, he knew the scriptures. And what a weird coincidence that he grabbed the book of Isaiah and read it. And he was able to proclaim those prophetic words, those powerful words, those light-giving words, those, those words that are a light to your path and your feet. He was able to proclaim them about his own ministry. And he stood up in the temple and read them. Jesus was a lover of the Bible. Being God, Jesus knew its value. And he knew that he himself was written all over the pages of the scriptures. Jesus' interest in the Bible was even more than its prophecies. 
Jesus knew the Bible truths, and he knew that they had power over lies and darkness. So often we struggle with our thought life, and it takes us in places and ways that we don't want to go. We, we start believing lies that, that just really are destructive to us. And when we read the scriptures, the scriptures will bring so much understanding to us. Not only did Jesus understand that about the Bible, but Jesus also used the Bible. He read it in the church. He understood its power. But he also used the Bible in warfare. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. And here we pick up Jesus who goes into 40 days of fasting. Most of us haven't fasted over a meal. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Of course he was. I'd be starving. I'd be dying. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Listen to this. Jesus answered, it is written, the power of the word, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, often Satan will come with his lies. Sometimes he'll even take biblical verses out of context. And if you read the word, memorize the word, study the word, you will recognize the lie and you will be able to fight back with the truth of scripture. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. So here comes the devil with a little bit of a twist. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written. You see, when we are so immature and we, we haven't spent time soaking in the word and, and reading the word and studying the word, and, and, and I, by the way, after the first sermon, I, I pulled our worship leader aside, who's a professor at Bible college, and I said, is there anything I should have added to that? Because Brad knows the Bible. He teaches it all the time. But anyway, he goes, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But the battle carries on. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. Listen to this. Here's the battle. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I can remember as a young pastor in my first church, I'd been there about two years, and I became very perplexed, so much perplexion that perplexion, complexion, anyway, I was perplexed so much, I was losing sleep. Now, the object of my consternation, man, I'm using weird words today. I don't normally know big words, so that's incredible. Anyway, the object of my frustration was I had a couple of people in the church that were being really mean to me. They were just being nitpicky. 
And of course, I can always, you've heard me preach, I can give you lots of ammo to come after me. I sometimes say stuff without realizing I've said it. So they were coming after me and they were being mean. They were attacking me on all sorts of things that I couldn't even change. I was so perplexed, so upset. And I thought, oh man, I gotta, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go poke their eyes out. I was mad. I'm gonna go pop them in the nose. I mean, do you think I was acting very Christianly? No. And then I got the idea, I should read my Bible. And I opened my Bible, and I noticed in my reading that day, it said, we war not against flesh and blood, but powers and authorities. Now that's in Ephesians. We war not against flesh and blood, but powers and authorities. And I went, oh, oh. So I began to pray that prayer. I took the word and used it as a prayer. And I began to pray against those powers and authorities that were guiding and influencing these people that were treating me nasty, understanding that I needed to love them, forgive them, and hopefully try to get them to understand that what they were doing was wrong, and I don't remember to this day where that ever went. But I want to tell you, I wouldn't have survived as a pastor if I didn't read the scriptures, if I didn't get perspective, if I didn't get light. Oh, it's so sad that so-called Christians can be difficult, but I needed to hear that they were not my problem. My problem was evil. My enemy was Satan. And I prayed like never before. You see, friends, Jesus knew the Bible. He easily quoted it. He was not tempted like the author I started out with from Zoe Girl. Not only did Jesus understand the power to push back dark darkness, but he taught and he quoted the Bible a lot. In fact, he was always teaching and quoting the Bible when speaking. And I have references to back up every one of these statements, but I'm not going to say them. I just want you to kind of, if you know the Bible at all, you'll know they're there. But Jesus quoted the Bible during his temptations. We just went through that. During his Sermon on the Mount. Have you ever read that? Matthew 5. During his hometown sermon in Luke. During various confrontations with Jewish rulers during his tribute to John the Baptist, during his triumphal entry, he quoted the scriptures, during his cleansing of the temple, during a parable about Israel, during a question session in the temple, during his last Passover night, on the cross, when he was suffering and dying, he was quoting scripture. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't always go to the scriptures. Now, the Bible doesn't, of course, answer every question. And so every once in a while, I do have to Google things. But oh, let me tell you to be careful. So last week, my wife was having a, a, a bit of an infection, a bladder thing going on. So I started thinking, well, you know what she needs is cranberry juice. So I thought, I'm going to Google it. And uh, where's the doctors in the house? If I ask the doctors, they well, you know, it probably doesn't help, but drinking lots of liquids is really good, so drink lots of cranberry juice. So I looked it up, and I, in fact, that's what I found first was, oh, well, it's just lots of liquids. I didn't like the answer, so I kept 
looking till I got the answer I wanted, that I had to have a certain kind of pure cranberry juice. It couldn't be mixed with anything, not water, anything. it had to be pure. So I thought, okay, okay, I got the answer I want now. And by the way, we call those echo chambers when we search for answers we want, when we find things that back up what we think. And that can be dangerous. And so I went to Save On Foods because they had this kind of cranberry juice. And I bought it for my wife and I poured her a glass and said, this is going to fix you. She took one step and she almost spit it out. She was like, oh man, that's just gross and disgusting. For four hours, she sipped on that cup and I think she got it halfway empty. And I kept going, you got to drink it. We got to get you better. Because she was about to head off on a trip to visit her mom. My daughter came up a little while later, and my wife told her about this cranberry juice. My daughter, Shailen, poured some in a cup. She took a swig. She almost spit it out, her words, not mine. Mom, that tastes like blood. She said, there's so much oxygen in it or something that it's just gross. How do you ever drink that? Well, I read it on the internet, right? That's where my truth came from. I just want to say to you, especially when it comes to scripture, biblical stuff, and, and the author of this book, she says, it was tough because I wasn't expecting a pastor to lead me astray. So be really careful. The scriptures are so incredible and powerful. And we want to go to them whenever we can. Like I said, the scriptures may not answer stuff like, should I eat pork? today. Well, some would argue in the Old Testament there's some stuff about pork, especially bacon. You know, you can find that on the internet too. You can find out that bacon's good for you. I looked, but I didn't believe it because I'm pretty sure it's hard on my heart and a whole bunch of other things. Right, doctors? Be careful what you read. Jesus himself was God, but he was quoting the Bible all over. Why would he do that? Why did Jesus love and use the the Bible so much? He was God himself. And I am convinced that he used the Bible like he did because he's the one that designed it. He designed the Bible to to keep us from sin. Psalm 119.11 puts it so clear. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, I remember hearing a sermon about how the Jews used to put the scriptures in boxes on their forehead. You'll find that in the Old Testament. I thought, well, that's a lot easier than memorizing if I could just do that. When I was in Africa, they actually would take uh, Bible-written words and then they would wash them into a drink and drink them because they thought, I thought, well, that, when I was in college, I was supposed to memorize the book of First John, so I stuck a recorder under my pillow and I listened to the recording all night long hoping I wouldn't have to memorize, but I can tell you that it didn't work so good. So um, even lately, what I've been doing is, this is a little too much information, but hang with me. When I go to the washroom here at the church, there's one stall, it has a Bible verse on it, and so for the last three weeks, I've been trying to memorize it. I was bound to determine I was going to get it down for you today, but I just couldn't. It's Proverbs, uh, I think, 11, 23, or 25, something like that, and, and it talks about generosity and what that means to us, and I'm not even going to quote it right now, but I believe I need to hide the word in my heart that I might not sin against him. You know, I think sometimes the Holy Spirit, the counselor, has very little to work with in our brains because we haven't put much in there except for the television. And what's God going to do? Oh, that, that rape scene you just watched, uh, let's see, uh, what can I teach him at? Or, or that, that lewd, mouthy 
killing spree. Let's see, uh, love your neighbor. No, I can't teach him. We don't put much in our heads for the Holy Spirit to work with. And then we wonder, why don't we know the will of God? You have to understand that God designed the Bible to be a light in darkness. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Are you aware of that? The word, the Bible, is the primary way that God speaks to us. And if we're never reading it, then it, and it really should be the filter with which everything we choose to do goes through. Because the word is true. 2 Timothy 3.16 describes it this way. All scripture, the Bible, is God-breathed. And here it comes. And is useful for teaching. Here I am using it. Rebuking. Oh, we don't like being rebuked, right? We don't do that anymore. No, that's being judgmental. Correcting and training in righteousness. Righteousness, really, and I've tried to explain it before, it's being who you are in Christ. When you pray to receive Jesus, when roses are put on a stage and the Holy Spirit comes in you, you are going to have this desire, this, this angst to do the right things. And I want to tell you, read your Bibles so you can find out who you are in Christ. And it goes on to say, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What's our society all about today? It's, about, it's all about me, right? It's not about me working for you and loving you and doing kind things for you and, and taking care of my neighbor and feeding the poor. Friends, the Bible was written by God. 2 Peter 1.19 says, For we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For the prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, I want to camp on that just for a moment. A lot of the progressive Christians will say, well, obviously the Bible wasn't written by God. And I know this from taking Greek. The book of John, for example, is very simple Greek. In fact, I loved studying it in Greek because it was simple. And then you get into Paul's writing, especially the book of Romans. Oh, my goodness. Is that ever complex Greek? I mean, in the book of Romans, there's some words, some Greek words that are like 16 letters long. And you think we have infixes, prefixes, and suffixes? You know, like uh, pre... I can't even think of a word. You know where we add something on the beginning or in the middle. The Greek takes it to another whole level and Paul was an intelligent guy. And so the type of progressive Christians will say, well, it's not written by God. The scripture's saying though, <laughs> did you hear it? Though human, though they had their vocabulary, though they, they kind of did what they did and knew what they knew, they had enough of it that they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the humanity is in Scripture, but God was carrying them. And when we get that in our minds, the fourth point here, there is a weight to and thus a warning about the Bible in its pages. Did you know there's a weight to the Scriptures? Did you know there's a respect that we need to have? And now, 
When I was pastoring in Loose Land Alliance Church, it was a church with a lot of seniors, and that was 30 years ago. They wouldn't mark up their Bibles. They actually, uh, and I used to joke, they, they would have these cases. They would carry it in like it was a special treasure. And maybe they went a little too far, because I mark up my Bible all the time. Now it's on my, my phone and stuff, and I read it that way. But, but they had a respect for it. They knew the power that was in it. Revelation twenty two eighteen. listen to this. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. <coughs> and if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy... God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. Oh, heaven, be graceful on those progressive Christians that are out there on social media tearing down and deconstructing people's faith. Is the evangelical church got everything together and perfect? No, we don't. We have done some things in Jesus' name that honestly are not good. Is the church perfect? No, it isn't. But friends, historical, authentic, biblical Christianity is unbelievable and transformational. Being like Jesus and knowing the importance of the Bible, I believe, demands a response from us. The other day as I was preparing to do my Hearing God seminar in Zoom, now, I've done Zoom for six months, and I'm as sick of it as you are, but I had never projected. I'd, I'd watched a video together with people, but I'd never projected PowerPoint on it. So I went to Google, because my Bible didn't have an answer for this. So I went to Google, and I asked Google, I said, how do you project PowerPoint in Zoom? So Google brought up a bunch of websites, and this is where I'm telling you to be careful. There was a lot of people that had lots of opinions how to work Zoom. But I noticed that a couple of the links that Google was giving me was Zoom itself. Hey, that's authoritative. So I went to Zoom itself and I followed the instructions and my people that were with me on Hearing God on Wednesday night, it worked. Oh, friends, I want to tell you, go to the Bible. Go to something God himself and Jesus himself showed us that is incredible. This, this broken world can be hard. We need insight. We need understanding. We need to have light. And this world right now, it is taking normalizing sin to levels like I cannot believe of. And, and selfishness, it's all about me, is just Unbelievable. The Bible was written by the creator himself. The Bible is there to help us as followers of Christ with the Holy Spirit in us be who we are in Christ so that we can do works of righteousness, so that we can do good works. Romans 12, 2, which I quoted already says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Where do you go? Go to the source, go to God's book. And then, listen to this, then you'll be able, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know what God's will is in your life? You want to move away from the patterns of this world? Get into the word. Let it light up your path.
Let it show you who you are. Let it reveal to you lies you've believed that he wants to unbelieve in you so that you can be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Renewing our minds needs to happen. The Bible written by God is critical and key to the transformed life. Let me ask you, where's your Bible? If you haven't put it on your phone yet or your iPad, uh, I'll even show you how to do that. You can bring it up. You can be sitting at coffee at work looking like you're surfing the internet because you don't want to be one of those Christians. You can even be secret about it. I'm not telling you should. People ask you, say, I'm reading my Bible. Read your Bible at coffee break. The book I started this message off, another gospel, in the last chapter, she wrestles through uh, with the idea of what should we believe? What, what are kind of key components of belief? And what's a doctrine that's kind of a doctrine that is really important to have? And she kind of wrestles through them, but then she gets to this point, to this paragraph, and I want to quote it to you. But what about the Bible, she writes. Is it necessary to believe the Bible is the inerrant and inspired word of God in order to be saved? Now, those are big words. Basically, is the Bible true? Believing in the Bible isn't what saves you, but the gospel can only be fully known if the Bible is actually the inerrant and inspired word of God. In other words, we believe it's true. The Chicago Statement on Biblical Inerrancy acknowledges that a confession of a belief in inerrancies is not necessary for salvation, but a rejection of it would not come without grave consequences. So in conclusion, pretty straight up simple stuff. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. You know why we don't read our Bibles? Because nobody sees us do it usually. You know, because we're busy keeping the boss happy at work. We're busy making money. We're busy feeding our kids and keeping them happy and our spouse and wife or husband. But you know the thing that would be the most beneficial to you and me is if we read our Bibles. Then when you have trouble, come. Man, it's good stuff. Secondly, memorize it. Memorize it. Give the Holy Spirit something to work with in your brain. I mean, even the, the great songs of faith, the songs that we sing, the Holy Spirit will often use those to bring something to me. But most often, it's a scripture verse that I've memorized or I've read over and over again. And thirdly, use your Bible. Use it in spiritual warfare. Use it in leading your life. Use it in encouraging and teaching others. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father. Oh, I think of that kid's song, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Forgive us, God, that we have not held in esteem the word of God. Oh, the words of God even describe you, Jesus Christ, as coming as the word in the flesh. Oh God, it even has imagery that even brings the Bible even more powerfully into our forefront. And I believe, Holy Spirit, that you're speaking to somebody here today that has not been 
practicing the discipline of reading their Bibles. We've got a Bible college that's 10 minutes away from our church and we could be taking some theology classes. We have some great tools in our church like The Way that many of our elders and some of our staff and some other members are beginning to teach some life groups. And, and The Way is just so loaded with doctrine and scripture and truth. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, may we not leave this place without a renewed determination, with a new revelation that your word is true, that your word is a light, that your word is powerful and useful in warfare, that your word is, a, is, is something that, that takes the darkness and pushes it back, brings us understanding. Oh God, let us be hearers of your word and doers of your word. And oh, those of us who don't like reading, we even have apps today where the Bible will be read to us. Oh God, let us get off of our excuses and let us get into your truth, into your word, the primary way and the filter with which everything should go through your scriptures, your holy scriptures, your powerful scriptures. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Please stand with me. The last Sunday night of this month is our annual meeting. Wanted to just bring that to your attention. I believe it's at, I can't remember if it's at six or seven. You'll have to look. Go to our app that we keep talking about. And uh, at the annual meeting, it's going to be a lot of fun because we're going to have some testimonies, God stories. Uh, we have a 70-plus-year-old guy who's going to share already, and we have some more. So if you have a story you want to talk about, something that's going on in your life lately, some revelation, some understanding, especially as the Scripture has revealed things to you, and you've been set free, then just talk to me. Come to the annual meeting. Uh, the staff will be sharing at the annual meeting uh, one kind of great story victory they had in their ministry in the previous year, and they'll be talking about some of the big stuff or one great thing that they hope to do in the next year. A little point of uh, explanation, um, our COVID numbers have gone up. I want to say to you, this is not a comment out of fear. I'm just asking us to be careful. I've noticed in the atrium we're visiting lots. Please keep visiting. We need that but step one foot away from each other. We're getting a little too close, and I would hate for an outbreak to happen here. Uh, our government has shown they're not gonna, at this point, be nasty to churches, but I, I wanna be careful, and so just be careful with that. And if you need prayer this morning, uh, we always have people at the altar here that are willing to pray for you. Uh, you might have just somebody in your life that just needs prayer, and you want somebody to pray with you about them. And so come on down. Or, or maybe you're going, man, I, my head just is so confused. I, I've been part of a group or I've been reading or watching blogs or, or watching blogs, reading blogs or watching uh, YouTube videos of stuff that's not so good and I need my head cleared. Can you pray for me? Uh, they would love to do that. And uh, please remember, it's Thanksgiving. It's 2020, horrible year. So please, when you go and eat your big fat turkey or ham or whatever you have, be thankful. And let's always remember 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that says, may God himself, the God of peace, may he sanctify you through and through. 
May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen? Amen. Go fellowship in peace.